So last Sunday, Ken and I went to Boise after first service. We took our four oldest boys and Ken's nephew. So there I was with six men, some young and one not so young, um, <laughs> all day long. It was like with me being with all these young bucks during rutting season. I'm not kidding, in the car. But um, so we went to Wahoo's, you know, where they have the go-karts and all that fun stuff. And so Ken and I were standing in line with the kids um, waiting for our turn for the go-karts when I got a text from Pastor Mitch, and he said, would you be willing to share next Sunday? <sighs> okay, yes, I'm willing. <laughs> But uh, immediately, my first thought is, oh, Lord, what, you know, what do you want me to say? What do I have to say? And I looked at Ken before I responded to the text, and I said, what do I do? And he said, you say yes. <laughs> so I said, um, I texted him back, and I said, yes, I can do that. And then Ken and I were t- talking about it further, and um, I kept thinking, oh, but what do I do? What, what do I say? What's, Lord, what do you want to say through me? And he just said, Give them what I've given you recently. The fresh bread, the fresh revelation that I've been giving you, that's what you give them. You can't give stale bread. You give daily bread, the fresh stuff from the Holy Spirit and what's current in my life. So I'm going to share with you what what the Lord's been dealing with me in and showing me. Um, A few months ago, I think it was back in March, I shared about covenant relationship and what that looks like in the body of Christ. Um, the challenges that come from it, but also the joy and the reward that comes when we commit ourselves to one another within the body of Christ. And it requires humility. And that's hard. It requires going lower, much to the pain and discomfort of our flesh. And it requires being teachable. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is being teachable. So we have some quotes that I found that I wanted to share with you. Coachable or teachable people seek out those who speak truth to them, even if it is a painful truth, because it protects them and it makes them a better person and leader. A teachable spirit is being willing to be a student in any area you lack, to seek out knowledge and truth in order to grow in humility, wisdom, and excellence. This one cracks me up. Be willing to listen to others and be teachable. You're not right about everything. Nobody is. Uh, and then this one is from Michael Jordan. Um, I am not a, I'm not a um, basketball fan. I'm not even a sports fan, really, unless my kids are playing or something. But I really respect this man because I just read recently, he's the richest black man in America. He's achieved success that most people just dream about. He had skill um, on the court. I know that. I know enough about basketball to know he had skill, (laughs) great skill on the court. But his greatest skill, and this is his quote from his book, my greatest skill was being teachable. Not his fancy moves and footwork on the court. It was being teachable. I'm like a sponge. Even if I thought my coaches were wrong, I tried to listen and learn something. That's humility right there. I don't know if he knows the Lord or not, but that's humility. So one morning about a month ago, it was um, morning after, Monday morning after home group, we have home group Sunday night, 
And so that next morning, I, you know, mopping my floors and cleaning up after home group. And I thought, well, I'm going to listen to Pastor Mitch's, one of Pastor Mitch's sermons while I'm cleaning. And I l- turned on the one that, you know, how he puts them on the um, SoundCloud. So I picked the one called Strongholds of the Mind. I don't know how many of you have listened to that. If you haven't listened to it, you need to. It's powerful. And in this sermon, he's, he's sharing a dream that the Lord had given him about the helmet and um, on the head. It was pretty, kind of a very graphic dream. But it's about strongholds in our lives. And so I began to pray as I'm listening, Lord, what strongholds are in my life that I don't see? What, what am I not aware of? Because the fact is, is that we, we all have sin in our lives that we're aware of. I don't need anybody to point out to me that I get snappy with my kids and get irritated with them. I'm very, very aware of that. I don't need anybody to point out to me that I struggle with overeating and I struggle with not wanting to exercise and, you know, make good choices for my body. I'm very aware of that one, painfully aware. But other sins we, we've made friends with and they've taken up residence in our lives to the point that we don't even see it anymore. And I was thinking about how it's like in my home, I have, I don't know, maybe a few other women aren't this way, but I have, you know, pictures on my wall and decorations that are up. And after a while, I don't even see them anymore. I don't even notice them anymore. They've been there so long until someone new comes in the house and says, oh, that's a nice picture of your family. And I go, oh, yeah, thank you. I kind of forgot that that was there. Or the dirt on the blades of the ceiling fan or the the fingerprints on the wall, I just, you know, there's bigger things occupying my mind. I don't see that dirt until we're having company. And then suddenly, oh, I see every flaw in the house and the weeds out in the flower beds out front that I haven't noticed for weeks, you know. And that's how it is with sin in our lives. We just, we've become accustomed to it. We don't see it. And we need a fresh perspective. We need the Holy Spirit to come and show us and point out to us and say, this has been here too long. It's time for it to go. So as I'm listening and to the Mitch's sermon and I'm cleaning and praying, um, the phone rang and it was Pastor Mitch. He was returning a call I had made to him earlier that, um, in the morning um, because I needed some wisdom and insight regarding a situation that I was working through with another person. And um, as we were talking, I began to feel really uneasy in my spirit. And I knew the Holy Spirit was putting his finger on something in me, but I, you know, I'm in the middle of this conversation, so I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm just like, something's not right. And we got off the phone. I went back to cleaning and finishing listening to the sermon. And suddenly I realized that the situation that I was working through with this other person, the, the issue wasn't what I thought it was. It was the fact that this person wasn't teachable because they had been confronted with some sin in their life and weren't willing to acknowledge it. And so the bigger issue was that they weren't receiving correction. And as soon as I realized that, the Holy Spirit said, their sin is yours. You aren't teachable. You have not been correctable in your life. Not with everyone, but with certain people and key people. 
And just, it was like a movie went through my mind. I, I saw when myself as a teenager bristling against my mother's correction. I could take it from my dad. My dad would just say one word and I would dissolve into tears and my heart was soft to him, but not to my mom. And it was nothing she did. It was rebellion in me. Because my mom is a wonderful, she's a woman, she's a godly woman, she was very loving. And whenever she would correct me, my, my hackles would raise and I'd become defensive and I'd become angry and I'd have a list in my mind of why she's wrong and, and I'm right. And uh, then I saw um, in YWAM, Youth with a Mission, I don't know how many of you are familiar with YWAM, but it's an mission, international missions organization where Ken and I met, and I was worked with him for seven years. And I had various leaders in my life, but there was one leader in particular. She was is, she's still a missionary, um, amazing woman. And she saw things in my life that I didn't see. Um, she called out the good in me. She called out the giftings in me. And she gave me opportunities that probably no one else would have given me because of my immaturity. But she, she saw the call of God in my life and was willing to invest in me. And I just could not submit my, myself to her correction. And it, it got to the point where towards the end of my, my time working with her, that um, my inability to receive correction from her cost me, actually, dearly. And I um, ended up making some choices that had I listened to her, I wouldn't have made. And God had to do some real deep humbling in my life. But um, so then moving on, I get married 17 years ago. I meet this guy over here and we were newly married. And I think we had only been married a couple months. We met this couple. They were new tribe missionaries from Baker City. And we had them over to our home for dinner one night. They had been married three years. And in my mind, that was like an eternity, you know. <laughs> oh, they've got this all figured out. They've been married three years. And uh, the wife was talking about marriage and, you know, what the Lord had been showing her. And she said, you know, being married is like looking into a mirror for the very first time and seeing yourself for the first time. Um, problem is, is you have to be willing to open your eyes and see what's looking back at you. So, um, and that's so true. And, and so anyway, the Lord showed me in that, in, while I was in the kitchen that for 17 years that we've been married, I have not been open to receiving correction from my husband. That when we'd be working through an issue or we'd be having an argument, trying to, you know, work it out, I could give him a list of everything he had done wrong, and that was fine. But if he tried to tell me what I had done to hurt him or what I had said to hurt him, he was wrong. And I was right, and I wouldn't have any of it. I wouldn't listen to it. And, um, boy, that's just pride and arrogance. So there in my kitchen, I began to repent for years of being unteachable and not being correctable. Too often we say we want God's correction in our life. We sing it, you know, we, we talk about it and we pray it. But the truth is, more often than not, he uses people to discipline us, to bring discipline. As much as we don't want that, that's 
usually how it happens. So that night, I talked to Ken. I told him what the Lord had shown me. And I wept and I just said, I, I have been so wrong. Would you forgive me for not being, not listening to you when you've tried to speak truth to me? And I said, I welcome your correction in my life. And those words were really hard for me to say. Really, really hard. But it was necessary to say it. It wasn't enough just to ask for forgiveness. I had to open my heart up to him, my husband, and allow him, give him room to speak truth to me um, as he need it, needs to. And let me tell you, I've been tested on this already. <laughs> it's, only been, it's only been about six weeks, and I find myself saying, you're right, I was wrong, will you forgive me? You know? <laughs> oh, it's hard, it's hard, but it's so good. So I knew that I needed to make this right with a couple other people, and one was my mom. So I called my mom, and I told her what the Lord had been showing me. And I said, Mom, will you forgive me for being unyielded to your correction in my life? And she's so funny. Honey, I don't remember any of that. (laughs) I do remember when, when I'd ask you to practice your flute a little longer, you didn't want to. But I don't ever remember you being unteachable. I said, believe me, Mom, I was, because I remember. I remember it very well. And I thought, oh, it must be like the pain of childbirth. It dims over the years, you know. So the pain of raising a teenager dims. And, you know, in my, in my mom's mind, it's like her children are just wonderful and can't do anything wrong. And praise God for moms, right? <laughs> they believe in us. Oh, so, but, but I said, Mom, I, I do. I, it, I do need to ask for your forgiveness. And she said, well, honey, I forgive you. So then the last thing I needed to do was to clear, clean up my mess. That's what we call it in our home with our kids. When we sin, it's called cleaning up your mess. I had to clean up my mess with this leader that I had in Youth with a Mission. And so I wrote her a letter. And I just said, thank you for the years of pouring into my life. Thank you for investing in me. Thank you for seeing in me what I didn't see. And I was wrong. And would you forgive me for not taking correction from you and not listening to you when you spoke truth? You know, and um, it was important to, to make these things right. And do you know how scary that can be? I mean, really, it can be really scary because then, you know, the enemy comes and lies and or, you know, well, if you humble yourself and if you open yourself up, you might get hurt or you might make yourself a target for criticism or, you know, well, you know, maybe you might make yourself a target for criticism, but even unwarranted criticism we can take before the Lord. And ultimately, I, I trust the heart of my husband that when he speaks truth to me, it's out of love for me. I trust the heart of my friends. I trust the heart of my pastor. And ultimately, I trust God's heart for me, that his discipline and his correction in my life is good, and it's out of love. So let's take a look at what the Word of God has to say about being teachable. I mean, there's just loads and loads, especially in the book of Proverbs, Um, So I had a hard time narrowing it down, but I've got a few scriptures for you. 
First Peter 5, 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 13, 8, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof or correction is honored. And I just want to take a minute and say, you know, we read this and think that um, poverty is referring to financial poverty. Well, and there's truth to that. If you ignore God's word on how to handle your finances, you probably will be lacking. But um, there's an emotional poverty and a spiritual poverty that comes too when we ignore instruction. Hebrews 12, 5 through 6 and 11. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. And I, this scripture made me think about my kids. You know, we, Ken and I try to reserve spankings for like last resort kind of thing. So the kids are getting, and I'm talking like, you know, when they're four or five, six years old, they're getting whiny, they're getting pouty, they're getting fussy, they've got a bad attitude, we'll say, you know, well, go over, this, sit down and go find your smile. Or if it, you know, if that doesn't work, well, maybe you need to go run some laps around the yard, work that attitude out. If that doesn't work, grab a bag and start pulling some weeds. And so we have like these different tools in our parenting toolbox to try to snap our kids out of their bad attitude. And sometimes it's just not working. And Ken and I will look at each other and say, it's time to put them out of their misery. <laughs> and we know what that means. It means get the rod and give them a few swats on the rear and snap them out of it because nothing else was working. And it's painful. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness. And that's what we've seen in our kids, that um, it, you know, that swat on the rear Boy, it, it um, doesn't seem pleasant, but later on, when they're done, they're at peace. They're at peace with us and peace with themselves. So that's the Lord in our lives. He, he tries to get our attention. He tries to say, hey, I need to point something out to you, and we're not listening. And so he has to bring out the rod and give us a little swat on the rear. And that's what he did with me that morning in the kitchen. Okay, it's, it's, it's time to put you out of your misery. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I didn't say that, okay? That's the word of God. And that's very blunt, but it is true. Proverbs 15:31 Whoever heeds life-giving correction. I love that life-giving because that's what correction does. It's life-giving. Whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. I don't know about you, but I want to be at home among the wise. Proverbs 27:6 Wounds from a friend can be trusted, 
but an enemy multiplies kisses. So I don't need flattery in my life. I need truth from my friends, from my pastor, from my husband. Often our lack of being teachable and correctable, it, it stems from insecurity, really. I know it did for me. From not being firmly grounded in who we are as sons and daughters of God. Because we take cor- or when correction comes or when truth is spoken, for me, and I think it might be true for others, we go, oh, I'm a screw-up. They wouldn't be saying this to me if I wasn't a screw-up, if I wasn't a failure. I must not be good enough. I don't measure up. And so when Ken would try to talk to me about something on his heart that he, you know, he needed to address with me, I wasn't hearing it as loving correction. I was hearing it through ears and eyes of seeing myself as a failure, as a wife. Well, I must not be a good enough wife. And instead of acknowledging that and humbling myself and repenting, instead, I became defensive and angry and um, unyielded to what the Holy Spirit was trying to show me through my husband. Um, Sometimes, it's also just plain pride and stubbornness, really. Um, I don't know. That's, that's for each of you to take before the Lord and ask him what, what the root issue is in your own life. Um, but, we, you know, you're not a failure. Just because someone's bringing correction, it, it doesn't mean failure. It doesn't mean you've screwed up. Well, okay, maybe you have. But it's, it's okay. As a son and daughter who's loved by God, you're not defined by that. That's what I'm trying to say. God's already defined who you are. So even your failure doesn't define you. And when you know that, you can humble yourself and go, you know what, you're right. I blew it. Would you forgive me? A lot of times I've heard people say this. Well, that's just the way I am. Or this is just my personality. That's your problem, not mine. Well, people can take me or leave me. And those are all statements of being unteachable. And the truth is, there's a difference between God-given personality and sin. And so let's not confuse the two. And let's not make the excuse of, well, that's just the way I am. They can take me or leave me. That's, that's pride, and that's an unyielded heart. That's not your personality. So I have some questions to present to you guys and for you to think about, and, and maybe throughout this week just take before the Lord and, and see what he has to say. The first one is, do I have a hard time learning from other people or certain people? Or do I recognize that I have something to learn from just about everyone? Do I have a hard time learning from my husband, my wife, my boss, my coworkers, a subordinate, my children? I mean, our children should be able to come to us and say, Mom, it, it hurt me when you said this or when you did this. And instead of becoming defensive, well, if you hadn't acted such and such way, then I wouldn't have had to say that. That's being unteachable. We should be able to receive correction even from our children. So, do I have a hard time learning from other people? Or do I recognize that I have something to learn from just about everyone, even if it's what not to do? (laughs) 
some people you look at and go, yeah, that didn't work out so well for them. That should needs to be a lesson to me. But um, mo more often than not, we can learn something from anybody. Number two, do I have a reactionary spirit or do I have a submissive heart? When someone comes to me and speaks truth to me, what, how, what, how do I respond? Immediately do my defenses go up? Do I become angry? Do I become defensive? Do I make excuses? Or do I have a submissive heart? So I have a scripture from Ephesians. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It doesn't say just submit to certain people. It doesn't say just submit to the people I like or the people who tell me nice things about myself. Submit to one another. And my, my Bible, my study Bible, says that in the Greek, the grammar there indicates that this mutual submission is a sign of being filled with the Spirit. This command to be filled with the Spirit is followed by this list of things, right? Psalms, you know, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And then last one there, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So being filled with the Spirit or submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is a sign or an indication that we are filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. So do I have a reactionary spirit or a submissive heart? Am I quick to be defensive? This is the next question. Am I quick to be defensive or am I quick to humble myself? Even if the other person is clearly wrong. Because, you know, it's true that we will get unwarranted criticism sometimes. And sometimes that, I mean, it, it cuts deeply. It can be very painful, the things people say about us or to us that it's just unwarranted and it's not true. But even then, what do we do? What do we do? Do we become defensive or can we take that and go before the Lord and say, Lord, is there any truth in this? Do you have anything to say to me through this? Because I want to know if what they're saying is true or even partially true or even just a tiny bit true. If there's any truth to this, Lord, show me. Show me my heart. The next question, do I make excuses or do I take responsibility? Do I have a list of why this person is wrong about what they're saying or do I just own it? That's another thing we talk to our kids about a lot. Just, just own it. You messed up, just admit it. You know, it, It'll go well with you if you do. That's another thing. It'll go well with you. The next question, do we seek correction? as a tax on our character or as building blocks and tools to grow us and mature us? And then the last question is, what do we do during difficult times? Do we withdraw and isolate? Or do we seek out wise counsel during times of decision-making, difficulty, and even failure? An unteachable, uncorrectable person 
will say, I've got it all figured out. I don't need anybody's opinion. I don't need anybody's input. I can figure this out on my own. And that's a recipe for disaster, really. I know, at least in my life, that the times when I've really made some bad decisions, it was, it was when I didn't submit things to other people, to outside counsel. A few months ago, Ken and I began to talk about him having a different job. He's been a carpenter for 30 years. He's 56 years old, and he's saying, I don't, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. My body's, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be, and this is hard. This is up and down ladders and lifting, you know, heavy boards and all that he does day after day after day, and, you know, he's starting to feel aches and pains places. So he, he began to say, I think it's time for a job change, but I've been doing this for 30 years. What else am I going to do? This is all I know. So we prayed about it and asked the Lord that he would bring along any job opportunity that, you know, he would show us. And so an opportunity came up and on paper, it looked really, really good. It was four tens and we've been wanting him to have a job with four tens for forever. How everybody wants a three day weekend, right? It was higher pay and uh, health insurance. That's the other thing came with benefits. We, we haven't had benefits for our whole married life. So it looked really good. And um, the people that, in, that he would potentially be working for, we, we know them and we've known them for a while. So we thought, oh, this perfect situation. This, this has got to be God, right? So we prayed and Ken said, you know, I, I really think I need to talk to somebody about this because we're not as objective as we should be. None of us are in the middle of whatever it is we're working through. So he called Pastor Mitch and said, can I meet with you? And, and he said, I, just, I need to run this by you and see what you think. So I wasn't in that meeting, but I do know from what Ken shared with me, all Pastor Mitch did was ask him some questions to get him thinking. And Ken came home and said, but this is not the job for us. And we were immediately at peace with that decision. I knew, I knew it was the right decision. He knew it was the right decision. And had we, had he taken that job, it would not have been good. But he, we did not see that. It took somebody else. It took submitting our, our decision, or not our decision, but our potential decision to somebody else. And it took Pastor Mitch saying, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? To, for us to go, no, this is not what God has for us. Even though everything lined up and looked really good, it was not right. And so, an, but an unyielded person, an unteachable person will say, I don't need anybody else's input. I can figure this out on my own. So what I'm not saying this morning is that we now all have a license to go around correcting everybody, Okay. Yeah, of course, you know, we, we, we need to learn how to bring, speak truth into somebody's life with love and with humility, and it needs to come out of time of prayer for that person. I mean, we should never go ha off half-cocked and saying, well, you know, let me tell you about you. No, this morning is about us looking at our own hearts and honestly examining our heart before the Lord and asking God, am I really yielded? Am I really teachable? Do I really welcome correction in my life, even if it comes through another person? Am I open to that? 
even if it comes from somebody who just, you know, certain people just, you kind of, why does it have to be that person? (laughs) Might be your spouse that you feel that way about, you know, I I don't want them to speak truth to me. I want her or him over there. But so what's the solution to being unteachable? Well, first of all, it's to acknowledge it and repent. Bottom line, just repent. Make it right with those whom you have hurt. Humble yourself before the Lord and invite him to bring correction where you have not allowed it. And then get ready because he will take you up on it. I uh, wanted to show you guys something. Um, Pastor Mitch put this meme up on Facebook a few months ago, and I liked it so much I took a screenshot of it and saved it to my phone so I could remind myself of what it says. It says, I am quick to repent, quick to forgive, and willing to change anything that keeps me from God and his plans for me. So here's my little reminder. So I put it on my phone a couple months ago and begin to pray this, share it with Ken and the, my kids. and like, oh, yeah, we need this. God, change anything that keeps me from you and your plans for me. Well, he took me up on it. And there in my kitchen, he nailed me. Okay, you, you asked, so here it is. So get ready. If you really want an open heart, uh, a yielded, teachable, correctable heart, he will take you up on it. And don't let fear stand in the way. Fear of, of what might come or what you might open yourself up to. Because the correction and the discipline of the Lord is good. And it is, it's loving even though it hurts the flesh, it's good and it is loving. There is such joy and freedom that comes from walking in the light as Jesus is in the light. There is joy and freedom that comes from living a life that is open to correction. That's what I have for you guys this morning. And I want to invite you to pray with me, to open your hearts up before the Lord and um, and. See what he will show you over the next few days and few weeks. And so let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your loving correction in our lives. You are a good father. You are a faithful father. You are a loving father. And everything you do is done with love. It's done with justice. It's done with our, our best interest at heart. And we thank you, we thank you, Lord, for your discipline. Thank you for confirming that we are sons and daughters of of you, that through your discipline you confirm that to us. So, Lord, we just say that here we are this morning. We want our hearts to be open. We want our hearts to be open to you, even though it might hurt, even though it might be uncomfortable. We welcome your discipline in our life. We welcome your correction in our lives, even when it comes through other people. We say yes to it, Lord. I bless this body. Thank you for each person you've gathered, you've drawn here this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are at work in each of us, growing us and maturing us and shaping us daily into the image of your son, Jesus. We thank you for your work in our lives. Thank you, Lord. 
Jesus' name, amen.